Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. Jonathan, today we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 14 and look at this. Now the day came that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who was carrying his armor, come and let us cross over to the Philistines garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree. So Jonathan notices something that the Philistines are, are hanging out over in this other space, and the Philistines were enemies, and they were, they were not great people. And, and Jonathan said, we need to seize the moment. We need to go after them. But the leader, the one with the title, the one who we talked about as last week should have had all the influence, Saul, is hanging out under a pomegranate tree. He's not doing anything. But Saul, but Jonathan, the son of a king, steps up and says, there's a problem, and we need to do something about this. Jonathan didn't necessarily have the title, but he chose to lead in this moment, which leads us to the title of today's message, if you're taking notes, leading without a title. Leading without a title. Because as we discuss and have a conversation about leadership, many of us will begin to start to say things like, well, I don't have the title, or I don't have all of those degrees, or I don't have the right qualifications, or whatever, I'm quit. I'm just unqualified, I'm this, I'm that, whatever you fill in that blank with, and you start to say, I, I couldn't lead because I, I, I don't have the title. But what I love with Jonathan is he doesn't wait for a title to lead. And in fact, how many of us know people who have the title, but they have absolutely no influence? <laughs> they have the title, but nobody listens to them. Nobody respects them. <laughs> they have the title, but they've allowed the title to make them entitled. And so nobody really cares what they have to say. This is where Saul was. He was entitled. He's hanging out under the pomegranate tree. And Jonathan saw a problem that needed to be taken care of, a problem that needed to be addressed. And he steps up and he seizes the moment. And this brought me back to three years ago when God began stirring in, in Kim, our hearts together, we were, Kim and I, we were talking about, let's get started with this church. We knew that this is what God had called us to do. And about three years ago, we started taking some steps towards that. And I was searching the scriptures thinking, what will we call this church? What will our mission be? And I was coming up with names from different scriptures. And I remember we were laying in bed one night and I said, what do you think of the idea of new church? That's what we could call it. And I thought, you know what, that won't be great because the church won't always be new. I mean, we'll always have new life, but the church won't always be new. One day the church will be considered to be old. And so I, I just didn't know if that was the best name. And then I thought, what about Story Church? And that felt a little incomplete. And I was giving Kim all of these names and Kim said, what about New Story Church? I said, that's great. Second Corinthians 5.17, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation, which means they've been given a new story. And then they are ambassadors in Christ, which means that we have been equipped by God and called by God in Christ to write the new story of new creation that God has called us to write wherever it is that he has placed us. Now that this is great. This is, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna move forward with new story church. And we started sharing this vision with people. And we started saying, this is what we wanna do. And it's, it's really funny. We met with so many people of, are you guys qualified to do this? I don't know. I still don't know if we're qualified and we're a year into it. I don't know. God, God called us to do it. That's what I know. Yes, amen. That's what I know. We didn't know we were qualified. Uh, you're, at the time, you're just 25 years old. You should be careful. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, there aren't many pastors who are around 25 years old, so maybe we could reach some people that other people aren't reaching. Maybe we could do that. 
Maybe we could just do things a little bit differently. I don't know. And, and so, so all these, I don't know about this. I don't know about that. And, and so many things. You don't have the title. You don't have the qualifications. But, but what we began to notice was, as we were watching a generation go by, so many people had the ability and the capacity and the calling to lead that was placed on their lives by God. But so many people were just hanging out under the pomegranate tree, watching life pass by not really thinking about what they could be doing in this moment. And we recognize this because we had just come out of a season like that. Things were easy for us. And it's okay to every once in a while, you gotta go into the pomegranate tree, right? You gotta refresh, you gotta get a new perspective. But if that's where you end up living your life, so I'm just gonna hang out over here, disconnected. And God was stirring in our hearts so as we were coming out of that season. We were in such a good spot. We were in a spot that was great for so many people. But for us, we realize this, is, this may not be where God wants us right now. We had health insurance. We had a retirement plan. Everything you need, right? The, it's the, the dream. The dream has been fulfilled. I, I, you know, I have it all. And somebody looked at us and said, you would be stupid to ever leave where you were at. That's what, was, that's what was said to us. You'd be stupid to ever leave these jobs. And we thought, well, we feel God may be leaving, leading us to leave these jobs. So is God stupid? I don't know. And so, and so, and so we started moving forward. And we started saying, we are going to go after this, even though we don't have the title, even though we may not have the qualifications that other people think we need to have, because God is calling us forward and we don't want to get caught under the pomegranate tree. And we want to start a church where other people can say, I'm coming out from under the pomegranate tree and I'm going to embrace the moment. I'm going to embrace the decision to lead that God has called me to in this moment. And so we started moving forward with this. And what I love about Jonathan, as I said, he has no title. He's just the son of a king. And as we read the scriptures, we see this similar theme over and over again. When you get to John chapter seven, the religious leaders, they look at Jesus and refer to him as an untrained man. When you get to Acts chapter four, critics started looking at the apostles and saying, oh, they're untrained, ordinary men. Paul wrote to Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you because of your youth. We really love that verse when we want to get middle schoolers and high schoolers to share their faith at school. Don't let anyone look down and go share your faith. But then as soon as somebody is in their young adulthood in church, you just need to slow down. You just need to slow down. You need to slow down. You're going to have a problem. You need to slow down. Uh, maybe they don't need to slow down. Maybe you need to mentor them and disciple them so that they can become who they were called to be. And instead of disconnecting and just telling them what to do, you should invest. Maybe that's what needs to happen. You just slow down. Oh, yeah, it's good for middle school and high school because we can get you to go do this. But then, but then when you get to you know, your 20s or whatever, you just, you just need to slow down. You need to No, no, no. God wants to use all people in all places and all ages. In all ages. That's not just, that goes from youth all the way even, even to the, I don't know, 95, however long you make it. God wants to use everyone in all, at all ages and all places. And you may not have the title. You may not have the qualifications. You may not have all of the degrees. But there's something that God is asking you to do. And, and you have to say, I may not have the title, but if God is leading me to this spot, I have to respond. And so how can we learn from Jonathan what it means for us to lead without a title? This first point is gonna absolutely blow your mind. You are gonna be blown away by this point. This is what you have to do if you wanna lead without a title. You have to choose to lead. See that? I mean, just mind boggling, right? You have to choose to lead. You have to make the conscious decision to say, I am going to lead. I am not going to just sit around under a pomegranate tree. Or some of us don't like to sit under a pomegranate tree. Some of us like to sit under the tree of complaining. I'm just going to complain about life. 
I'm just going to, you know, complain. I'm just going to gossip about everybody. No, we have to come out of that tree and go into the space of I'm going to choose to lead and recognize that wherever I am, God has me here for a reason. Some of us, we need to go from one space to another. Some of us need to stop complaining about the space that we're in and recognize that it's a sent place by God. And that's what Jonathan saw in this moment. He stepped up and he chose to lead, even though his example of leadership, his own dad was just hanging out under a pomegranate tree. And I love how Jonathan cast the vision here in 1 Samuel 14, 6. It says, then Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, come and let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised, the Philistines. Perhaps the Lord will work for us. The Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. I love the humanity of Jonathan in this passage where he says, perhaps the Lord will work for us. Perhaps. It makes him relatable to me because when you get to David, when Goliath comes around, David is like, yeah, of course God is working for us and we're gonna go take this giant down. Like, I don't know if I can be like David. This is a full confidence all the time, ready to go. But at least Jonathan, he's perhaps, perhaps it'll work out. Perhaps. I wonder how many of us have hung out under the pomegranate tree and not embraced what God has called us to because we are unwilling to step into the space of perhaps. We're unwilling to live in the place of the Holy Spirit is calling me into this. God is speaking this into my life. He told me to do this. He told me to lead in this place. He told me to say this. He told me to do that. He told me to build this. And I want to do it, but I don't know how I feel about perhaps, because in perhaps I have to wonder about what if, but we forget that God shows up every single time. It just may not be the way we thought he would. Amen. Amen. And so I'm okay. I think some of us need to say, I'm not going to live in the pomegranate tree. I'm going to go to the place of perhaps. Just perhaps the Lord will work for us. And he begins to move forward. When we started having conversations about getting new stories started, I was reading a book at the time, one of my favorite books now to this day. It's called Chasing Daylight by a pastor named Erwin McManus. And Erwin is is tracing the life of Jonathan in this book as well. And I love this statement that he made. Look at this. He said, Jonathan's focus was not what is God's will for my life, but how can I give my life to fulfill God's will? He had no certainty concerning his personal well-being. That he was moving in line with God's purpose was the only certainty he needed. I wonder if we started asking the question that way. Instead of asking what is God's will for my life, but started saying, how can I give my life to fulfill God's will? And, And to say, you know what? Wherever God is choosing me to lead, it's not about my own personal well-being. It's about me serving others and not working for the sake of myself, but for the sake of others. That's the way of Jesus. And so that should be the way of the leadership that we choose to embrace. If you're wondering, I don't advise you to choose a lead. And it's all about you, me, 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 intention on me, 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 me. That's not, that's not the spirit of God moving you into perhaps. The spirit of God moving you into the place of perhaps is moving you to a place where you are working beyond yourself, where you are thinking outside of yourself, where you're choosing to say, this is not just about me, but this is for the good of others. Jonathan was willing to fight for the good of his people. And and another thing that, that really started speaking to me in this time, and this is going to sound so weird to some of you, but just please give me some, give me some grace in this. And I've, I've mentioned this documentary before, and 
I'm going to quote something different from it. But so those of you who are like, I've seen this documentary that I'm about to mention. You thought it was just weird. I apologize. I enjoyed it. Uh, this, this, this documentary is on Netflix. It was called Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond. And in this documentary, Jim Carrey was showing all this behind-the-scenes footage from this movie Man on the Moon where he portrayed Andy Kaufman. And he made a number of statements in the documentary, some of which made me wonder, is Jim Carrey okay? And then some of which I was like, whoa, that is brilliant. That is a brilliant insight. Yes, somehow the divine spoke to me in this documentary. God can find ways even to speak through Jim Carrey at times. Think about it. Dumb and Dumber, it's about avoiding stupid decisions. (laughs) See? Liar, liar, it's about telling the truth. That's consistent with who God is. Bruce Almighty, the Sabres won the Stanley Cup and great things are happening in Buffalo in that movie. Amen. Amen, people. So anyways, in this documentary, at one point in time, he starts talking about his father and how his father had this dream of of being a musician for a living. I believe this was, he was a saxophone player. He wanted to be in show business of some sort, but then he decided he wasn't going to pursue that. And he decided instead to become an accountant. And then a little ways into his career, he was let go and couldn't find another job. So he had to end up working as a janitor. And then Jim had to work as a janitor. And the whole family had to pitch in just so they could put food on the table. At times, they didn't even have a home. And he said he looked at his father, who wanted to to be a musician above all else, but instead chose, I'm just going to be an accountant because that's what people think I should do. He chose to do that instead, and then he ended up getting fired from it. Couldn't even get back into that field. He said, I learned this from my father. You can fail at what you don't love, so you might as well pursue what you love. You can fail at what you don't love. So you might as well pursue what you love. So many of us, there is a love that has been placed within your heart that could have only been placed in your heart from God. A love for others, to serve others in a unique way. Some of us call it a burden. Some call it a passion. Some call it a calling. It's something that God has placed within your life. And it's just been so easy to say, I'm going to hang out because this is safe and this is easy. But I would rather risk failure pursuing whatever God has for me than to sit somewhere over here and know that it may not work out the way I even want it to work out. There is a love that God has called you to. Let's wake up, church, and get out from under the pomegranate tree, become the people that God has designed us to be, and write a new story and say, I don't know how this is going to work out. I'm living in the space of perhaps, but I'm going to choose to lead no matter the consequences. That's the first thing, choose to lead. You don't have a title, you just, hey, I'm gonna start leading. Secondly, you have to embrace a little bit of crazy. You know, embrace just a little bit of crazy. Amen. Because when you start leading without a title, people are going to think you are a little bit crazy. Who do you think you are? Why are you doing this? People used to say, oh, why do you think we need another church? And it wasn't in like an encouraging way. We want to hear about your church. It's like, who do you think you are? Why do you think we need another church? You know, there are some people who ask good questions because they're trying to help you. And there are some people who ask the same question, but in a bad way, because, you know, they're just haters. But anyway, so so some people, and, and, and we were, you know, you have to embrace a little bit of crazy. Embrace just a little bit of crazy. Say, I'm going to, 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 to live in that space to perhaps take some crazy. But Jonathan, he wasn't just a little crazy. He was a lot crazy. Look at what his battle plan or his strategy was in taking on the Philistines. This is, this is nuts. Look at this. First Samuel chapter 14. Then Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to the men and reveal ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and not go up to them. But if they say, come to us, 
then we will go up for the Lord has given them into our hands and this shall be the sign to us. So we are going to approach the enemy, just the two of us. And if the enemy sees us and notices us and says, hey, come closer, then we're going to fight. How does that make any sense at all? If you're two people attacking an entire army, I would be sneak attacking these people, not waiting for them to see me and saying, hey, come a little closer. What? So, so you're saying, Jonathan, this is your idea. I'm going to go get as close as possible. And then when they say, hey, 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 come on over. We got some good things for you. No, they don't. No, they don't. We're going to wait. And this is, here's the other thing about this plan. This is not a thus saith the Lord plan. The scriptures do not say that God came to Jonathan and said, here's what you are going to do. Because sometimes that happens in the scriptures, right? There's this uh, thus saith the Lord plan that's just absolutely crazy, but you kind of feel better about it because God said it was going to work out. This is one of those plans where it's almost like Jonathan came up with this idea on his own. And then God ended up blessing it, which was great. But this is your plan. Let's get as close to evil. Let's get as close to those who can hurt us as we possibly can. And then we'll see if God is going to show up. Okay, Jonathan, good for you. But it works. They get up a little closer and the Philistines say, hey, come closer. And Jonathan said, well, it's time to crack some skulls, literally crack some skulls. They took some rocks and they cracked some guys' skulls in. This was a different time and a different place. I'm not going to take the time to explain that right now, but this was the way they decided to engage in warfare. They cracked some skulls, just the two of them. They killed 20 Philistines. It was wild. And then God showed up. It says that God brought an earthquake and fear came upon the Philistines and they started killing one another. God showed up. When you are leading where God has asked you to lead and you're willing to embrace a little bit of crazy, just a little bit of crazy, God will show up. You may not always know how, you may not always know when, but he will show up. It's time for us to come out from under the tree. And when evil starts facing us, that we are not the people who run from evil, that we are not the people who turn from evil, that we are not the people who just sit around and complain about evil. But when evil is taunting and calling, that we as the church would stand and face it, that we would not retreat, that we would not be cowardly, but when evil is calling us forward, when chaos seems to be arising, when injustice seems to be coming to light, when there seems to be darkness, when there seems to be oppression, when people seem broken, when people are hurting, when people are in need of healing, we as the church cannot run from that. We must be the people who face it and run to it because Jesus said that we are the light of the world and the light will bring hope to others. We are the light of of the world. We don't run from evil. We run at it and we bring the light to darkness. Amen. That's who we are supposed to be, church. So many people, oh, I, you know what? I'm, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for God to show up. I'm just waiting for God to show up. We cannot continue to stand idly by and wait for God to show up. God has shown up in you. God has shown up in you. When you were in Christ, you are God's plan to fight evil. 
to move against the evil forces, to move against that which is hurting others. We are the ones who are to embrace a little bit of crazy and say, I'm putting myself out there right now. I don't know what people are going to say. I don't know how people are going to respond. I don't know what's going to happen. But you know what? I'm not going to be like Saul and always worry about what other people think about me. I'm going to embrace the crazy. I'm going to choose the lead because Christ designed me and created me for this moment. And by the power of his Holy Spirit, we are going to move forward into who he has called us to be on an individual level, but also collectively as his church. God has shown up in you. We are his plan to fight the darkness. We will not retreat, but our plan will be like Jonathan's. I I, I envision a day when things happen in our society that are critical, when things happen that are heart-wrenching and heartbreaking. I imagine a day things happen that are confusing that nobody has to say anymore, what does the church think of this? Or where does the church stand? But we would be so proactive in creating life and movement, just as Jesus was doing, that when those things happen, people will no longer wonder, where is the church or what do they think? But people would say, I know where the church is and I know where the ch- what the church thinks because we are functioning as a light to the world. And instead of people wondering where we are, people will turn to the church because Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. So yeah, if you want to give, give a hand to Jesus, come on. So if we're going to lead without a title, you have to choose to lead and you have to embrace a little bit of crazy. Those, those first two concepts are concepts of application. When you do those two things, you can begin to lead without a title. But this last concept, this is more so a concept of affirmation. When you do those things, if you are doing them within, I am moving with God, you will begin to see this happen in your life. Others will begin to fight with you and for you. If you are doing what God has asked you to do, others will begin to fight with you and for you. Sometimes there are moments of loneliness. Sometimes there are moments of isolation. But it's time for us to drop the narrative that Christianity is a one-man show where I'm just taking the, I'm taking the narrow road all by myself. That's, yes, it's a narrow road, but there are other people on it. <laughs> it's called the church. And we have to drop this narrative that it's just, I'm by myself versus the world. No, you are not Eminem. You are a Christ follower. <laughs> so don't get me wrong. I, but but that's, that's his story, not the church's story. We have this group of people called the church who are willing to come alongside one another and fight with you and fight for you, for whatever it is that God has called you and designed you to do. And we even see this with Jonathan early on before, right after he gives his mission statement in verse six, look at what his armor bearer says to him in verse seven. His armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart, turn yourself and here I am with you according to your desire. Armor bearer said, I'm here to fight with you. I'm all in. I'm going with you, Jonathan. I I don't know what this is going to look like, but I'm all in. And as you begin to embrace what God has for you, it might be a little strange at first, but you will find that others will fight with you. Even New Story Church, this is a great example. Just two years ago, there were four of us who were planning this thing. Ended up being six of us and a few more, a few more. And today we have two services. 
where we are connecting with people and we are fighting together to bring about the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. I remember when we were getting started, we were putting our team together. Another really fascinating thing about starting a church is there are a lot of people who have opinions on starting a church who have never started a church before but they are experts at it. They're really, they, 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 or at least they think they are. I mean, they know a lot. So those of you who, you know, you, you've started something before, you know, there are people, I mean, and they, they know some stuff. They've never done it, but they know some stuff. They've, you know, they've read something or listened to something. There are so many people. I really think that somebody should start a podcast of people who've never started churches who know how to start churches and they can just sit and give out their opinions because they're just, they're so insightful and so bright. And it's, it's almost like, Thank you. Thank you so much for wanting us to be the church that you left. Thank you so much. Thank you. I, I, I can't wait to do that for you, but uh, not really. I'm just kidding. But uh, uh, so there were so many people that they had so many insights. And one of the things people were most opinionated on, it was the most opinion. You got to get the right worship leader. Well, duh. I mean, we want to have a good worship leader, right? You got to get there. And then people started telling us who our worship leader should be. People kept giving us names and suggestions. You should do this person and this person, this person. I don't know. I don't know if I know that person. I don't know if they're a good fit. And we were just going, I I just, I I don't know. And then finally, I was praying about it and and God put someone on my heart. Many of you know her now, Joy Collada. I thought, yes, Joy. I knew her from when she interned at the chapel and she told me that she felt called to be a worship pastor one day. And she seemed very serious about it. Seems like someone who knows God and could actually hear his voice. So I was like, okay, this seems like a good idea. And she's a really hard worker. And, and so I thought, you know what? I'm going to reach out to Joy and ask her. Now at the time it was Neil, Lindsay, and then Kim and I. So there's the four of us. And, and we made this decision that we're supposed to make decisions together collectively. But sometimes I get really anxious and sometimes I just want to do something. And, and so... I, I prefer to ask for forgiveness instead of asking for permission sometimes. And I remember I, I, I said to them, I wasn't fully, fully, you know, dishonest. I said, hey, Joy, I think she'd be a great asset to our worship team. I think she could be a good part of our worship team. And Neil said, oh, yeah, that's great. Joy's great. And Kim said, yeah, that's amazing. They would have said yes if I told them, hey, I think we should ask her to be our worship pastor. But they, I just didn't want to go through that conversation of, oh, here's why. And here, I didn't want to have any more meetings. I didn't have time for meetings. I had to go ask Joy. Because also when my mind gets moving, I thought to myself, well, what if another church asks her? I got to ask her before they do. I got to get the, my mind started moving. Is what if Joy gets a call from, you know, some massive church or something, and then she's just gone. I got to move. I got to move. I don't have time to ask for permission right now. I can ask for forgiveness later. And so I, I reached out to Joy. I said, hey, I, I got to talk to you about something. Can we meet? And we went and met at the Starbucks on the UB campus. And I gave her the whole vision for New Story. And I said, hey, we want to have celebratory worship. We want to have loud worship. We want to use every resource available to us, including, including confetti, to worship God. I, we want to use it all because the back, you know, years ago, they used every resource available to them. And we want to be loud. We want to celebrate God because of how good he is and his love and his mercy and his truth and compassion, all of those elements. And so we want to we be loud and celebrate and she seemed like all in for it, but she was 19 years old at the time. So she said, I need to go talk to my parents about this. And I thought, oh yeah, that's, that's probably right. So she met with her parents and then I met with her parents as well. And it was great. And it all ended up coming together. And now Joy is our worship leader at New Story Church. And then because of that, she started dating Aaron. And now we have a production person at New Story Church. It's unbelievable. It really is. And... What's so funny is that early on, we thought Neil was going to lead worship. We thought Neil was going to do production. If Neil did all the things that we thought Neil was going to do, Neil would be dead right now. (laughs) 
Lindsay would be a widow. She would be weeping. And we, I don't know what we would do because Neil was, going to, was supposed to do literally everything. But God said, hey, you don't just need a few people. You need some more people. And God always knows who you need to fight with you. And God will always bring around the right people at the right time. And even Joy had to embrace a little bit of crazy. Joy had never led a worship band before. She'd never been a part of a church plant. She didn't know if I could be a lead pastor. I didn't know if Joy could lead a team. Thankfully, she can, and she was able to build a team. But when you start having people follow with you, you got to have some people with you who are a little bit crazy. You got to find some other people who can catch the crazy. <laughs> catch some crazy. You know, embrace some crazy. And choose to lead. And others will begin to fight with you. Then others will also begin to fight for you. After Jonathan and his armor bearer attacked the Philistines, Saul finally wakes up. There's a whole little scenario that goes on and you can read about it. I'm going to summarize here. Saul takes the Israelites to the Philistine camp and sees that the Philistines are confused. And then the Israelites come out and they've won the day. And then I don't know what Saul's thinking. He's just such a disconnected leader. As I said, uh, he comes out and he says, after these guys are tired from battle, here's a command, everybody. Nobody can eat anything. What is wrong with you? These guys were just in battle, and you're telling them they can't eat anything? What are you thinking? This guy just wasn't thinking. That's what he was thinking. He just wasn't. Nobody can eat anything. And if you do, you could die. Uh, what? If somebody eats something, some people ate some stuff. They, they found out, oh, we shouldn't be doing this, and Saul's not happy. It turns out that on the side, Jonathan decided to eat some honey. It says his eyes were glowing because he was hungry from battle. Could you imagine if you came home from work one day and your spouse said to you, sorry, nothing to eat tonight. I know we're not even fasting or anything, but nothing. No food. You're not allowed to go out and buy anything. You can't eat anything in the cupboards. No food tonight. You'd be like, excuse me? I've worked all day long. I could use some food. No, it's time for you to go on a diet. Oh, I didn't realize it was going to start now. But anyway, so uh, I don't know. But it's, Saul gets out of battle. These pe people have been fighting. No eating. No eating. Then Saul finds out that some people have been eating. He said, they will be put to death. Once again, he says this, even if my son Jonathan ate, he will be put to death. Said, Why are you saying this? What if he did eat? What is the matter with you? And, and then he finds out that Jonathan did in fact eat some honey. And he says, well, guess I got to go through with my word. And what happens here is so amazing. Look at what happens in, in 1 Samuel chapter 14. But the people, the people said to Saul, must Jonathan die, who has brought about this great deliverance in Israel? Far from it. As the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. This was not a democracy. This was not a republic. This is, people didn't have a voice. This was a monarchy. And the people decided to speak up and say something. They risked their lives, in a sense, on behalf of Jonathan. They decided to fight for him. You know why I think they were willing to fight for him? Because he was willing to fight for them. If you're a leader and you're saying, I don't know why anybody's not willing to fight for me, how have you been fighting for them? Jonathan led the way into Philistine territory and he was willing to fight for them. And I'm just, we are beyond grateful. We are beyond blown away by the amount of you who've signed up to be on our story team here at New Story Church. And you've been fighting with us and you've been fighting for us. From the greeters to those in story kids to, to our worship team, to our production team, to those who lead story groups, we are so thankful for you. And we're saying we're going to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ and we are going to fight with you and fight for you.
And for those of you, you know that God's been calling you to something. I want you to know that we as a church are willing to fight with you and to fight for you. And there are others out there who you don't even know who are willing to fight with you and to fight for you. And we do that not just because Jonathan did that, we did that because that's the example of Christ. Christ fought for us, went through a crucifixion, hung on a cross, died, and then came back from the grave three days later. And because Christ fought for us, we fight for others. We follow in the way of Jesus. And so if you wanna become a leader who has influence, ask yourself, who have I been fighting for? Who have, I been, who have I been going out of my way for? Because Saul had the title, but Jonathan had the influence. If you're here and you lead people, just a quick leadership tip. I know that things getting all emotional right now and everything with the music, but here's a quick leadership tip. If, if you were saying to yourself, hey, I got a group of people on my team and you, and you oversee some people in the workplace or whatever, who's the person with the influence? Not the person who has influence because they're being divisive. That's a person you need to have a conversation with but the person who is working for the good and helping others. When you see the person with the influence, that's the leader. And so what we want to continue to do as a church is we want to continue to choose to lead, to lead the way of writing a new story here in this community and here in this city. And we want to encourage you to choose to lead wherever you find yourself, wherever God has placed you. And by the power of his Holy Spirit, he will lead you into that. And then we ask that you would be willing to just embrace a little bit of crazy with us. We're gonna start a church in the middle of a pandemic. Look at what God has done. I would you be willing to embrace a little bit of crazy in your life? I don't, I wanna do this, but I just don't, it seems a little crazy. Come out from under the tree and become who God has designed you to be as his child. And you will begin to find that as you do that, other people will begin to fight with you and other people will begin to fight for you. And we as the church will come together to write a new story and we will see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is.